Blog Talk Radio. Howdy do. Tonight's show may be very, very short or maybe longer. Um, what stimulated me to talk about the stories we don't talk about or the stories we fear talking about uh, was a meeting I went to of the uh, Democratic Club of my community. Um, I have stopped really attending political meetings, but now, because I am so frightened and upset about uh, the story that is unfolding with our weather and with our climate, that I decided to become more involved and go to the uh, political club near where I live, where I'm a member, and get very involved. And it was an interesting uh, uh, performance, an interesting um, program that the club ran. It had to do with uh, a discussion about people of various ages and how they feel about a variety of the issues that confront them and the country as the election uh, for a new president is now, uh, I think, just under one year away. And there was a variety of topics that were discussed, uh, social security, retirement, um, student loans, uh, very articulate people, very interesting people. The topic that was left off was the topic most near and dear to me because it's the topic, the story that I don't hear anybody really talk about. It is that of climate change. To me, it is the superseding story of the election. The Republicans have decided it simply doesn't exist. There is nothing to talk about. Uh, for a while, if they were asked about anything about climate change, uh, the answer was, I am not a scientist, which is kind of a bizarre, immature cop-out. Um, the head of the, the, the chairman of one of the, it's either the the, the republic the republican was the chairman of the committee uh, environmental committee in the senate or the congress I'm not sure it doesn't matter who said who are we to question what God wants to do with our planet um, a story that sort of leaves me very frightened because what it says is something may be happening but let's not talk about it. Let's not talk about what to do about it. And certainly, let's not talk about what we might do to create a story living with the changes that can take place. Now, this has political implications, but then all human relationships have political implications. And all through my career, uh, I dealt with individuals who would come to therapy and keep a secret and the secret, the thing they would not talk about, was very often the most powerful and defining uh, 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 interaction, relationship, or event in their lives. They were afraid to talk about it because they were ashamed. They were, couldn't talk about it because they felt guilty about something they had done, and they needed to confess and find absolution and find some kind of forgiveness for what they had done. But this can't happen unless they tell the story of what they did. 
you can't correct an injustice unless a person or a group talk about the story uh, that in which they were victimized. Um, sexual stories were often stories that couldn't be told. I had a young woman in my class who talked about the fact that she had been sexually abused uh, by her brother, an older brother. Uh, and she couldn't talk about this. When she tried to tell her mother, the mother said, you must be lying, your brother couldn't possibly do this. And she was locked in time. She was locked in space. This was a defining element in her defining who she was as a person. She felt guilty about the fact that she felt pleasure in his manipulations of her body. She could not then clear the idea that perhaps the body betrays you, even as you're being violated by someone who should be taking care of you or respecting you and not abusing you in such a vile way. Uh, one after another, I would hear stories like this, where people are locked in a place because they can't talk about the story and get a change in the story because there's input from individuals who might help them change the story to one in which they were the wrong person, they were bad, but in fact they were really the victim and needed to move past the feeling that they were guilt-ridden about what had happened to them, but at the same time move past the story in which you're merely the victim and locked in the same place. When I was being trained as a psychologist, so much of my training said, people can't talk about what they don't know. It's been repressed. It's in the unconscious. It's in a place. It's almost as if it's buried in a basement. Um, and, and there were two levels to the basement. One was the pre-conscious, where somebody would not talk about something, and then the unconscious, where they really couldn't because it was buried. And, and I don't believe so much in these basements, literally or even figuratively. I think there are things that people fear the consequences of, fear their own emotional response to something that they would say, but that they know they know what the story is. They know the events in their story. It's never put into words. It's never brought into the light of day. And as a result, they're trapped in a space, in a place, and a time. Another uh, uh, student, and it was always amazing to me the kind of things that would come out when I would discuss these ideas with a class uh, that was really an academic topic, uh, how meaningful they were to so many of the kids in my in my room. Um, she says, I can't put this into words. I would die. I would die of shame, of guilt, of whatever. And my response was, uh, um, how old were you when this happened, and how old are you now? And when the person now explores the fact that the story that's been trapped psychologically is the story that was formed when they were three or four, but now they're 20 years old and they have a power, they have an audience 
they have a capacity to deal with things that they couldn't possibly have dealt with at three or four. And I would say to this student, this particular student, well, you're 20 now. This happened when you were four or five. Where are you? She says, I'm in a classroom. I said, are you safe here or are you in danger? Can the brother or the, it was this case, this particular one was an uncle. Is he still here to harm you if you tell the story? Because he had said to her, if you tell the story, I will kill you. I, I, you will be, uh, and no one will believe you, I will destroy you. And she had lived in terror, unable to tell anybody this, because as a four-year-old or a three-year-old, she accepted his power as great enough to really destroy her. And now she's 20, and it turned out this particular person was an old man and was no longer able, physically or psychologically, uh, able to hurt her. And she talked about this event. Uh, always amazing to me how many other people have lived through the similar kinds of events and are afraid to put into words what is in their consciousness, but they have to pretend to themselves and certainly to the outside world uh, that it's not there. It didn't exist. It doesn't exist. It never happened. And as a result, uh, with all of these things, they can't get past it. They can't make choices in life uh, about what to do with their existence. They can't make a, 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 a decision to grow, to change their life, to change relationships, because they are so snowed in and so blocked off by a story that can't be made public and can't be examined as to its reality, as to its fantasy, as to the facts, as to the fictions. And as I said in my show last week, so much of what we live with, uh, which, which really don't get examined, which we can't uh, 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 examine, are things we're told as a child, which uh, exist in our heads as a result of the natural ignorance of being a child or of thinking literally because as young children we do think literally we don't have the capacity to abstract and step back from our story and examine it from an adult uh, more quote scientific perspective where we could say I couldn't possibly have done that I couldn't possibly uh, have have uh, been complicit in this particular kind of a thing. Uh, I was the victim. Uh, I was told I was the perpetrator. I was told I was the guilty one in getting somebody to hurt me in some particular way. Uh, the kind of stories that adults tell when a child is abused, <clears throat> you deserve this. Right? And the child says, I must deserve this. It's only when they talk about it that they realize that they can't imagine what they did to deserve it and that they were in fact uh, an individual who had been victimized and the story they were told, you deserved it, was the justification of the perpetrator uh, so that they wouldn't feel the guilt and the shame of having done to a child uh, something uh, uh, inappropriate or telling them a story that was false that the child 
couldn't examine in the light of day logically and factually in order to be free of the paralyzing effects of that kind of story. This can exist on whole societies where events have occurred on a social level. Uh, I am thinking very much of the large number of children who were sexually abused by priests in the Catholic Church who believe they were the ones who were wrong, they were the sinners, that these were acts of love, these were acts of uh, religious uh, activity by an adult who could have the power to define the very nature of the events that were taking place, that they lived into their adulthood in a silence, hidden from the the ability to tell these stories, because if they did, no one would believe them. How could a priest who had taken a vow to God do this kind of a thing to a child? And as the stories were told, and more stories emerged, uh, not only uh, were the, the stories that justified the abuse of the children forced into the light and justice began to be done, but these individuals were now freed to make decisions that were not predicated on a life story that was false, that they had done something wrong, that they were the ones uh, who, who should be shamed by their responses uh, and their behavior in these horrendous situations where somebody much more powerful than them had abused them. And they understood the nature of the abuse, could now go public, could tell the story, and be freed socially, psychologically, and individually. Um, I've said many times that psychotherapy, and I put the word therapy in quotation, is basically a process whereby people tell a story that was once hidden and get to examine the story, find out if the facts are real facts or the facts are fantasy or the facts are stories that were fed to them as children uh, and really need the air, the light of day and air so that they could be examined and that they could be uh, Uh, thought through so that uh, the guilt, the shame, the fear uh, can begin to evaporate and decisions can be made to change one's life from misery and darkness to kind of a light and joy uh, and the joy that comes with the creative process of telling your own story. The story of environmental degradation is a terrifying one. In the same way that Darwin's story of evolution, which I've discussed on some shows recently, is terrifying to many of us. To study Darwin is to find out that an individual, all living beings, are able to eat lunch until the day they become lunch and that it is only the world we live in that determines uh, when you eat lunch and when you have uh, our lunch. That uh, 
this is a natural process. This was not man-made. This was not God-made. That we are at the mercy of very powerful physical forces, psychological forces, and that the story we tell can't be changed unless we accept the basis of the story that defines us. And ultimately, the change can only be in small or moderate portions. Ultimately, we will be lunch. Ultimately, we die. The fantasies that we create otherwise are usually so important to the people who develop them and tell them, and the groups who live according to those fantasies, that to even try to tell the alternate story uh, puts one in danger psychologically and physically. My field has adopted a story that when you're confused, depressed, anxious, frightened, you have a mental disorder. And in most cases, increasingly now, this mental disorder is of a neurological nature and you need to have your brain tweaked. And I learned very quickly what Thomas Zoss, who wrote the masterful book, The Myth of Mental Illness, and probably even the better book, The Manufacture of Madness, found that when he spoke out and he told a new story about what was supposed to be mental illnesses, that he was under attack, vicious attack, uh, and, and was called psychotic and schizophrenic. Uh, he was actually fired from his job as a professor at Upstate, uh, but they couldn't actually, no, it's the reverse. I think they got his license taken away from him to be a therapist, but he was defended by a number of individuals, and he kept his professorship at Upstate. Um, he wrote 25 books or so, translated into dozens of languages, uh, and even then, they're treated by people in and outside the field as if there was some kind of toxic waste. You know it's there, but it's too dangerous to look at and too dangerous to tell the story to yourselves about the fact that uh, our mental disorders are the normal reactions to people in a wide variety of difficult situations in which we become paralyzed to examine and change the story that came out of our childhood or our adolescence or even the group that we belong to that would hurt us, would, would even destroy us if we try to uh, reconstruct the story in a new way. Um, my final act uh, of, of leaving my college after 36 years was when I came and picked up my uh, after 36 years of teaching, 38 years of teaching, I picked up my schedule and I found out that the so-called uh, the abnormal psychology course that I, as the senior professor and the most published professor uh, about this in the department, was not part of my, uh, my schedule. And when I said to the chairperson, who was supposed to be my friend, uh, why, why this happened, he said to me, well... The nursing department said that they would block any promotions from our department unless I got you to stop teaching what you teach in your courses. 
So much for academic freedom. So much for the telling of a story that I believe is a vitally important for people to understand. And if they reject, let them reject it after understanding it. Rather than the pathetic story that says that if you're depressed and confused, it's because you have a brain chemistry that is somehow wrong and that only taking powerful neuroleptic drugs that disable the brain from feeling anxiety or feeling or thinking through a thought that can free you from uh, uh, the straitjacket that you're in. Um, only that can't be told. And so uh, I taught the, my last course. I worked my, my ideas into all my classes, no matter what the topic, particular topic was. But I, for a variety of reasons, including that, it was time to leave. Um, anybody who tells a story or creates a story uh, that is different from the majority story of their family. Even the story of a family in which, to use an allegory or a metaphor, there's a corpse in the living room. There's a dead body, and everybody is living their life as if the dead body isn't there. Or the other metaphor about a 500-pound gorilla in the room that everybody pretends isn't there. It is the defining element of the family, defining element of the school, defining element of the society, and I believe the defining element of our society, which won't be talked about, uh, uh, which, which, when a question is raised, is shut down, is the fact that our world itself is in danger of dying. Just last week, uh, I came across a study that suggested that almost 80% of all the flowering plants on the planet are unendangered. The bee die-off is continuing. And the, between the plants and the bees that can't pollinate plants, our food supply is, is uh, at danger. Uh, massive storms across Texas. Massive storms that hit um, Mexico, which was a hurricane with 200-mile-an-hour winds, which now is classified as a cyclone, as a tornado, a massive tornado moving slowly onto land rather than a merely, merely a Category 5 hurricane. These things are not to be heard. They're not to be said. And the only way we can plan for slowing the process or dealing with the consequences that are about us is that we all share a story and argue about the nature of the story and deal with the facts of the story. What actually did happen? What is happening? What needs to be done? What could be done? What can't be done? And yet, it's all invisible. It's not that people are unconscious of what's going on. I went up to some of the panelists at the Democratic Club uh, discussion afterwards. Um, two questions were allowed. Mine wasn't allowed. And I really was annoyed. 
Uh, and I had said to the moderator who agreed with me, yes, it is an important topic. But I was told that these are the things we should discuss. The young people I discussed with said they're terrified. They're really terrified. Economically, they're being slaughtered uh, by uh, tuition for education that they think is vital but probably won't give them a job, a necessary job to pay off the horrendous loans that they have. One of the questions that was asked of them, do you believe there will be a social security when you are 65? And the answer of most of them was, I can't even begin to think about getting out of the debt I'm in now rather than what's going to happen to me at 65. Both the young people I spoke to afterwards said they worry constantly about the probability that something can happen to the environment and destabilize society. Well, if it destabilizes enough, they won't have to pay back their student loans. God only knows about the kind of world we will be living in. But what can you do? There is no ongoing discussion. I will continue on every Monday, the first Monday on the month, to go to the Democratic Club uh, when I said to the president of the club at this point, I really wish my question could have been uh, aired and we could have had some discussion about this. She says, we'll do a, a special uh, uh, show. We'll do a special uh, evening just on climate change. Uh, maybe you know someone who could speak on it. Well, I do know someone who could speak on it. I can speak on it because I have been following this. Uh, the question is, how do we talk about this? In the same way that my student was able to talk about the fact that her life had been threatened if she spoke about the, the uh, sexual abuse by a family member. And that is to examine in the light of day what we can do and what we can't do what might be done, where the research needs to be done, where the, the uh, mechanics of how we live our lives have to change, thereby giving people a choice of how to live. <clears throat> Just as when my student realized that she is now 20 years old and not a three-year-old under the thumb and the terror <clears throat> of an older man, he's not there, she's here, and she is in a safe environment. So much of our politics today is a fear, of vituperation, of threat. And the really important topics simply are not discussed. And the open dialogue that brings in morality and science are not taking place so that intelligent choices can be made about how to deal with what is uh, happening to us and what we're being confronted with as a group, as a society, as a world, as individuals. Well, I've been on the air for about 18 minutes now. I'm not sure I should be on the air any longer. Um, I could give more and more examples, but I feel I have said what I wanted to say. I don't know if anybody is listening and wants to get on the air with me. You can do that by calling 646-716-7756. I wonder if I can launch a chat. 
open moderator chat in a new window. Connecting. Let's see. Okay. Welcome to Stories We Live by Chat Room. Anybody want to chat with me? I would love it. You don't have to speak. You could write. I'll speak. And let's see. Anybody want to engage in storytelling? I would do a show just on listening to people tell me their stories. The problem is I don't have enough people who listen uh, live that uh, would involve themselves enough to tell a story. Most of the people who listen to my show... um, What is this story? Okay. Uh, Most of the people who listen, listen on their uh, uh, iPhones, their iPads, some device, uh, sometime uh, after uh, I've gone off the air. Well... Uh, It's dessert time. I'm going to watch some television with my wife. Uh, I don't want to watch anything upsetting tonight. Uh, Something light. Something easy. Pleasant stories. They can be interesting. They can even have violence in them. But nothing too dark because it's so interesting to me that the world is becoming such a dark place. The politics is so dark. What's happening in Syria, what's happening uh, uh, in so many parts of the world, is so sad and pathetic and awful uh, that uh, I've become really traumatized by it. That's the only word for it. And part of my therapy is to uh, do these shows. So I don't see there's anybody here. And so what I'm going to do is close the show. I did about 30 minutes. That's okay. All right. Here we go. Good night. <laughs>